0: To chasing dramas we are your hosts for today karen and kathy the chinese entertainment industry has been quiet the last few days which gives us a break to turn to some drama reviews i mean there's only so many sex scandals that i can handle in a given month or in a given year i think we already fulfilled our quota last week so um hopefully it stays relatively quiet And so today we are actually going to be talking about a drama called Under the Microscope or (laughs) An. This is one of the few dramas that Kathy and I have both watched recently so we thought, hey, why not do a drama review for it? Honestly, we've been diverging quite a bit on the dramas we've been watching lately so I think this is, yeah, like the first drama in like three months that we've watched uh, together or at least we've both chased. This drama, at only 14 episodes long, is an entirely bingeable drama for a weekend. And I don't know how visible this drama is out there for people uh, in the masses, but we are here to tell you that it is a worthy drama to chase. You can check out my full review on our website. It's right there on the homepage at www.chasingdramas.com. For this drama, Kathy and I both give it a 7.7 out of 10. For today's podcast episode, we'll introduce the characters, go over at a high level the plot summary, and then share our pluses and minuses for the drama. There will be mild spoilers ahead, but hopefully this will intrigue you enough to check out the show. It is available on ITE. So let's meet our cast of characters. I just wanna say there are so many faces here from Joy of Life or Qing Yunian. I literally felt like I was watching Joy of Life too because you have so many people from Qing Yunian in this drama. I will admit it took me a little out of the story for the first few episodes because you have an affinity for each person thinking, oh, they must be a good or a bad guy, or at least I did because I was so obsessed or I am so obsessed with Qing Yunian. But then the drama drew me in and their acting showed me that, no, they're all entirely different characters. I will say, though, I was like, Zhang Ruoyun, why haven't you started filming Joy of Life 2 when literally all of your friends in that cast is right here? So I fully expect these people to show up uh, where appropriate in Joy of Life 2. Let's start off with the main character. His name is Shuai Jiamuo, played by Zhang Ruoyun, who, of course, in Qingyunian, or Joy of Life, was Fan Xian. Shuai Jiamuo is a prodigal mathematician. He is only focused on making sure his numbers are right. He has high IQ but low EQ, as he only knows what's right and wrong from the numbers, but does not know how to balance the benefits and consequences behind human nature. This is his biggest undoing. He experienced a traumatic childhood where both of his parents died while he was only seven, and he is best friends with Feng Bao Yu. Jiamuo measures land area for a living, as his late father did. In a turn from his usual roles, Zhang Royun, that is, he is the main lead, but he's not the talkative one. I wasn't expecting this and half thought that he was going to turn into a Fan Xian type person from Joy of Life, but that's not the case. I also have some issues with this character that I'll talk about later. Shui Jia best friend is Feng Bao Yu, played by Fei Qiming. Ming. Bao Yu is technically a studying scholar, but in reality, he loves gambling and relies on his best friend Shui Jia Mo's math skills to help rake in the moolah. But when push comes to shove, Feng Baoyu is willing to help his friend fight for what is right and is a great balance for his friend who does not know how to talk to people. The two are met with a formidable opponent named Cheng Renqing, played by Wang Yang. Wang Yang's character Cheng Renqing is the equivalent of a lawyer, and this individual can twist words to meet his desired result. His catchphrase is, however much money you give me, I'll give you that amount in fairness. At first, this guy can seem extremely slimy and greedy, but as the series progresses, there is more than meets the eye. But I will tell you, this guy, I wanted to punch him in the face in the first couple of episodes. Wang Yang was in Qin Yunyan, or Joy of Life, as uh, Fan Xian's good friend, Teng Zijing. This just goes to show how good of an actor Wang Yang is, because I was like, who is he? I totally just did not uh, expect for Wang Yang to be as kind of like loathsome sort of in this drama compared to Joy of Life. Also, both of these men lost a ton of weight (laughs) uh, between this drama and Joy of Life. Oh, maybe that's why. I think that's probably it. Feng Bao Yu has an older sister named Feng Bi Yu, played by Qi Wei. She is the manager of a local and thriving meat-curing business. She has money and brains to run the successful business, but unfortunately, her status as a woman prevents her from achieving more in life. She absolutely adores and dotes on her brother and looks out for his friend, Shui Jianmo. It's nice to see Qi Wei finally acting in dramas again. She's been mainly on reality TV shows recently, and I think she just gave birth to a son. So good for her. Her daughter, Lucky, though, has caught the Chinese entertainment world by storm because of how cute and sassy she is. If you see some videos of Lucky, most people comment how Lucky is literally the spitting image of her mother. So it's like, hey, you know, if you need um, a young version of Ti Wei in any drama, just get her actual daughter to portray her. I do enjoy Qi Wei. Qi Wei and Zhang Ruoyun have been on reality TV shows together, so they have a pretty good chemistry, even though they are not the CP or couple pairing for this drama. And lastly, uh, another person from Qing Yunian or Joy of Life, that is Fan Yuan, played by Wu Gang. Fan Yuan is a ruthless and calculating man. He was formerly a highly respected court official who retired to Jinan Prefecture, where he maintained a highly connected web of individuals that he relied on to maintain his power and status. He is primarily focused on maintaining his power and monetary gain by asserting his influence on various spheres of society. Gang is also in Kuang Biao or The Knockout which I also saw so I was like oh my goodness I see you everywhere he also has a very distinct voice so I was like okay yep you're here with that let's talk about the plot so this drama's screenwriter something that's very interesting is Ma Bo Yong and he wrote the book that this drama is based on Xian Wei de Da Ming is a series of different cases or stories put together. And we currently are seeing only one of those stories being portrayed in this drama called Si An*, or Case of the Silk Cloth. At the beginning of the drama, Shui Jiangmo, who the director of this drama says, essentially has Asperger's, calculates the square area for a plot of land as part of his job. But he discovers that the calculation is off compared to what official documents state, or at least he knows that he is right, but official documents say a different number. This causes him to be singularly focused on this wrong number, even as a fight breaks out behind him. He next goes to help his friend Feng Yu make some money at the local gambling house. They get into a tiff with the gambling house owner who accuses them of cheating, when in reality it's just that Shui Diao can do math really well and can calculate the odds of his cards. A huge fight breaks out where the duo are saved by Bao Yu's sister, Feng Bi Yu, who literally chucks a bunch of cured ham legs uh, in order to protect her brother and her brother's friend. The two young men are brought forth to court and are met with a formidable lawyer, Cheng Renqing, who easily twists words to fit his goal, or the person who pays him the most. Fortunately, Shui Jiamuo is able to be released with the help of the Feng family. However, after he is free, he decides to investigate his inaccurate calculations further. After burying his head down and doing a lot of math calculations, he finds that there is an extra tax amount that his county is paying a total 3,530 tails of silver each year. He brings up this wrong amount to the county magistrate and beyond. While Shui Jiamu is only interested in correcting a wrong number, this incorrect tax amount soon uncovers the various connections between not only different counties, but also between the landed gentry and their hidden agendas to maintain money and power. What did I like about this drama and why should you watch it? First things first is the setting. The production and the costumes were amazing for this drama. It is actually top notch. For once, we actually see poor citizens and what they're like. The main character, Shui Jia has shoes that are completely destroyed. His clothes are made of coarse material and his face is dirtied. His hair is flying everywhere. You look at him and you can tell he's not wealthy. The townspeople and farmers in the story also do not have the nicest clothes. Their faces are tanned and lips dry. Even one of the officials is shown to have patched clothing. That brings a level of immersion we have not seen in recent dramas, particularly palace dramas which love showing off the glitz and glamour of being in the palace. I really appreciated this change as it also shows that the cast is not afraid to get down and dirty for a role, which many young stars are unwilling to do these days. The scenery of this drama is also stunning. While some parts were filmed in Hongdian, many scenes were filmed on location in Anhui province at historical villages, and that brought another layer of beauty to this drama. I particularly like that because you can see in the buildings um, in the placards that it's just old. You don't have like glistening walls of red as we typically have at palace dramas. It's like walls that have moss on them or they're dampened by the river. So it really just feels lived in as a small village or small town. The other component here is also the fact that we are in the Ming Dynasty. We haven't had too many dramas set in the Ming Dynasty lately, and if we do get to talk about a Ming Dynasty drama, I'm actually really interested in maybe uh, putting this up as a contender because there's so much history packed into this one drama. I know some people liked Royal Feast, which is set uh, in the Ming Dynasty, but again, I feel like the setting here is more grounded since we are away from the palace. It is a nice change of scenery, and it is leading me down another rabbit hole of Ming Dynasty costumes and etiquette. The costumes in particular are understated, but very different from, uh, for example, the guards to runners to basically your everyday um, citizens. Their clothing style is very different from the Qing Dynasty and a lot from the Song Dynasty, which we have seen earlier. What I particularly liked is that in this drama, there was... A great deal of detail placed also on the clothing of the officials as they are shown with different ranks it might be with the materials it might be with what is shown on their chest but each four different rank has the corresponding kind of clout associated with that rank we also do see that these Ming Dynasty official robes are similar to Korean or what we see in Korean dramas. And that actually might be a a fun topic for another time, a point of contention uh, between the two cultures. Another reason why I really liked this drama is that it is a deep introspection of how rare it is to keep a pure heart and how easy it is for society to trample even those with the best of intentions. Oftentimes, Corrupt officials in dramas are painted as just officials looking to make a quick buck. It's so easy to say that this guy is a bad official because he does not want to care about uh, his citizens. In this drama, there are very few purely bad guys and also very few purely good guys. Maybe, spoiler alert, Chuy is one of the purely good guys, but it's because he does not know how to, I guess, observe human nature and is just focused on why people don't like math <laughs> or that his number is telling the truth, that there is something wrong with the tax numbers. Let's talk about the bad guys. The most intriguing people in this drama are the officials who all took the imperial entrance exams and originally wanted to do good for the world, but then reality came crashing down and beat them down. How reflective is this of current society is basically the key question that I walked away with uh, while watching this drama. Take, for example, County Magistrate Deng or Deng Zhixian. He privately, deeply admires Shuaijiamuo's mathematical acumen because he was a good math student but not as good as Shuaijiamuo. In another world, he even says himself that he would want to be friends with Shuaijiamuo, but right now he is forced to turn Shuaijiamuo in due to the pressures he faces as a relatively new official. He is seen as a bad guy, but in reality, he's just stuck doing this uh, and turning Shuai Diamo in because he has no other choice. Take Mao Jiansan or County Magistrate Mao. He knows his defense of Fan Yuan is unethical, but he has no connections or money apart from his aging mother. So that means that he has no choice but to sell his soul in order to do some type of good for his county. And to live up to all the suffering his family went through to place him where he is. And lastly, we have lawyer Cheng Renqing. He was once the head of his class and even got the girl of his dreams. But then his classmate, who had power and money, was able to um, basically beat him by sneaking in some cheating materials in his bag, which caused Cheng Renqing to be banished from ever taking the imperial examinations. That and the death of his wife meant that he could only make a living as a lawyer to the highest bidder, thereby turning his back on his bigger aspirations at court and even becoming a good person. Honestly, I think that's why this drama was so interesting is because almost all of the bad guys, you had to feel for them. You understood why they were the way they are, and you don't fault them entirely for their actions. Now, for the good guys... Shui Jiangmo and Feng Baoyu meet Huang Zhifu and some other officials or magistrates who helped them along in their quest to correct the incorrect silk tax number. But guess what? These officials are not doing this purely to help these two men. They don't necessarily care about this incorrect tax number. Sure, they can be seen as benevolent officials, but they are more interested in seeing how they can use this case to bring them back on top. Huang Zhifu, or you could say the prefecture magistrate, he is one step above the county magistrate. This guy in particular was just demoted from the capital and desperately wants to use this case to return to the capital. That's why he was so interested in helping Shui Jia Mo. Not because he was just like, oh, wow, Shui Jia Mo is totally correct. Let me stick my neck out for him. I really enjoyed this aspect of each character that we meet, and it's not like the handsome young people, honestly, in this show. But it's actually the, the older folks that are more seasoned that were the more interesting aspects of this drama. Not everything is black and white, and you really have to step back to think about why people do the things they do. That, to me, was pretty refreshing, because most of the times we were watching a drama, and the very handsome young cast are like, it's my turn. I can change everything. And then you have to pause to realize, wait, there's a reason why this hasn't happened in the past, like, I don't know, 20 to 100 years. There is a line that says, and I think he put it best. Why did a simple math question turn into such a mess? And that really is a very interesting question. Now, this very interesting introspection could only be done with a very strong and diverse cast. For marketing purposes, you had Zhang Ruoyun, Wang Yang, Fei Qiming, and Qi Wei have their faces plastered everywhere to garner eyeballs for this drama. But honestly, in my opinion, for example, Wang Yang's Cheng Renqing was the most interesting individual to watch. So the rest of the cast like I mentioned, primarily of the older officials we meet in this drama were just as captivating. No matter how few scenes or lines these individuals, these officials were in, they captured their moments to help draw you into their world and motivation. As described above, almost each character or each person in this case had many layers and you couldn't help but be glued to the subtleties on screen. That, to me, also shows that each actor really spent time to understand the character he or she was portraying. Also, everyone used their real voices for this drama, so each person had to showcase their real enunciation abilities without the uh, aid of a voice dub. And that was much appreciated. We do have some hesitations, though, for why this drama is not rated higher. Even though it was only 14 episodes long, I do think there were some pacing issues. It is a small nitpick, but I did think the pace of the show uh, was a little all over the place, particularly near the end of the drama as the stakes grew higher and higher and climactic events were met with screeching halts or else long monologues. The flashback scenes in particular, as we discover what happened to Shuai parents uh, when they died, I also did think detracted from the overall story and I wanted to keep uh, going back to the present and skip those flashback scenes. Overall, though, not a huge nitpick, but you know, it did take away some of the immersion from the drama. And surprisingly, while the more complicated math talk in this drama was limited, what scratched my head a little more was the tax and ministerial talk. This might actually just be a me thing. And because I was watching it in Chinese, I don't know if they do a better job with English subtitles. I was slightly confused at the different levels of court ministers and the administrative requirements of land ownership and tax requirements during the Ming dynasty. I feel like the drama did the best they could, though, with the subject matter. So this might just be a small warning, that people might get lost even with English subtitles on some of the more involved monologues about what's happening. And lastly, my biggest hesitation from this drama was the fact that I feel like our main character, Shui Jia Mo, just pushed the action along, but he was never the star of the show. Mm-hmm. Throughout the drama, it would turn to Wang Yang's Chen Renqing or to Fei Qiming's Feng Bao Yu and see their growth and how they decided to ultimately save the day. Unfortunately, Shui Jia character or Shui Jia as a character often was just found unconscious because he just passed out. <laughs> so he couldn't do anything and he'd be gone for like episodes at a time. So that really to me also factored into the pacing issues of where I'm like, Am I watching a story about Shui Jia Mo, or am I watching like the realization that I want to be a good character for Cheng Renqing? So Cheng Renqing overall, again, is a great character, but I can't say the same for Shui Jia Mo. And lastly, the best stray observation, and I do write this in, our, uh, in my written review, is that there is an adorable kitty on screen. So cat lovers, you will be pleased to see that a stray cat makes a actually prominent uh, character in this drama. I have seen many behind the scenes clips for this drama and the cast loves to call this cat or female celebrity. This was actually not the original cat uh, that was supposed to be in the drama. She was a stray cat they found on set, but had a great uh, acting presence on screen and did not uh, shy away from the camera, so they were like, you know what, we're gonna go with a stray cat and we're gonna call her female celebrity or New Mingxing. And then basically, when they wrapped up filming, they realized that New Mingxing or this female celebrity is actually male. So I thought that was very very cute. There is one small tidbit that I. Th- thought was hilarious in that one of the officials' wife does nothing but play Ma basically, or just gamble. And she has a very distinct Sichuan or Chongqing accent. And basically there's like a whole um, spiel about how Chongqing and Sichuan husbands are afraid of their wives. And I thought, huh, I don't know where they really set this whole um, place or whole drama, but the fact that one of the officials has a Sichuan wife was quite a fun watch for me. I really like that this drama did not put random filters on people's faces. So you could see literally every wrinkle, every pimple (laughs) on their faces. It seems like this was like you were living in this era. Oftentimes for like idol dramas, for like fantasy dramas and even some historical dramas. um, I don't know why directors decide to put on this filter in which you just see like a nice clean white face, which is fine but this was again refreshing and that's it for today's podcast episode in summary this is a fun drama to watch that we both recommend so if there are english subtitles around that you can get access to highly recommend spending just even a weekend to go through this drama let us know what you think if you agree or disagree after you watch it uh, and we will catch you all in the next podcast episode